Welcome to another episode of Problem Busters with myself, Jonathan, and the Honourable Ollie. G'day, mate. Good evening. Good evening. How'd you be? All right? I'd be fine. I'd be fine. <laughs> Small amount of normal laptop and uh, and microphone and uh, camera stuff. Yes. Just so that the listeners know, it's not just you that the laptop does funny things on. It happens to us all. Yeah. But we, we push through. So... This evening, we have a guest with us, Henry Latham, and Henry is a London-based entrepreneur, and he's the founder of an interesting business called The Prod MBA. Welcome, Henry. Hi, guys. How's it going? Really good. Thank you yep. for making time in your schedule. No, no, more than happy to. And you've just moved house, right? Back from Berlin. Have indeed, yeah. Very long, long way around, but we, uh, yeah, have finally moved back from Berlin. I've been away for actually seven or eight years. So it sort of felt like it was time to, to come home. Yeah, you saw that wow. Brexit was happening, and you thought this is yeah. the time I want yeah. to be in England. <laughs> Perfect timing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, good stuff. So, uh, so we generally start off with a bit about you. Um, so, how about you give us a bit of a tour on what got you to today? And if you wouldn't mind pausing a bit on particularly what happened to backpacker Henry that, that led you on this path, that'd be awesome. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll go all, all the way to, to, I suppose, what I consider my, my uh, start when it become, uh, comes to entrepreneurialism and product. Um, yeah, so 10 years ago, I was backpacking in Brazil by myself. I was sort of trying to self-teach Portuguese and... Um, was on a three-day boat trip down the Amazon, which sounds really exciting. You know, imagine sort of like monkeys swinging from the trees and river dolphins, all that kind of stuff. But really, it's just a massive muddy river. And my Portuguese was pretty terrible. So I was just sitting, like reading a book and reading a grammar book as well to keep me busy. But uh, luckily, uh, had a lot of time. And, and when you're bored, you start coming up with ideas. So came up with the first idea for... Uh, a business called Backtracker, which was essentially an idea where you would sort of track your your journey as you travel, share suggestions, sort of interact with other backpackers um, and had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I was studying politics and Spanish at the time. But when I went back to my final year at Bristol, sort of got a team together and said, OK, like, let's let's build an app and um, <laughs> gradually started working that out. So I was doing this sort of product design and and um raising some investment as well. And I suppose was basically bridging like the, the CEO slash head of product role there. Um, but uh, fast forward a sort of year or so, we'd got through an accelerator program, raised some investment and uh, the, the business failed actually about a year and a half later. And I think we just from making every mistake possible, <laughs> you know, from unvalidated ideas, ideas driven by ego, distracted by raising investment rather than, you know, building a great product, these kind of things. And um, yeah, really since that point, since so about eight years ago, my purpose, I suppose, has been to understand what makes products succeed and others fail. And uh, around two years ago, I published a book um, on that called Product Leadership Starts With You. And over the last two years, I've been running a company called Prod MBA, where we essentially fast track 
product managers to head of product by getting them to actually build a real product and then learn or really put together a playbook for effective uh, product leadership in in practice rather than focusing too much on 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 well being overly theoretical for example that leads me to where we are now on problem busters <laughs> that's quite a journey over to you jonathan oh <laughs> yeah it, it seems like um you had the full range i mean I think in terms of um, what I've what I've sort of read and seen in terms of a uh, product product uh, development um, and businesses, in fact, is is the whole concept of um, sort of accepting the failure. So, mm-hmm. was there anything sort of in particular? Um, you, you said that the, the first the first um, sort of instance of the business failed like a year and a half later. Um, was there anything key that sort of stood out and, and that you learned from? I think the, I mean, there's many things I could dig into on you, know, lack of customer mm. development, uh, lack of strategic understanding, partnerships, these kind of things. But I, I think those have been well, quite well trodden. I, I, I think the surprising thing actually, and, and and one that is both relevant for an entrepreneur as a product leader or aspiring product leader is that the the... I suppose the disillusionment with the business that you end up building. And I think, you know, thinking back and it was clear to me in that sort of retrospective period after I was, you know, a bit down, I suppose, probably mildly depressed from it and trying to you know, work out what the next step is because you, your purpose is suddenly gone, right? This thing you work on all the time. Um, and it, it really struck me that, you know, I, I never believed in raising investment and, and, you know, pitching a pitch deck and showing how, you know, we were going to scale by 10x every year. Because the reason I'd started it was that, hey, I like traveling and I like, you know, business. I find it interesting, but also I like providing value to people. And, you know, if you can build an app or some product, right, that people enjoy using and make some money from it, then that that sounds pretty good. And I found myself so far away from that, you know, traipsing around London, going to pitch or going, you know, networking, stuck in London in November rather than doing what I wanted to do, which would be sort of traveling somewhere or like you know, learning a new language whilst working as well. Mm. Um, and I think that was the thing that, that from that moment, you know, long, it was clear to me that I would have to, I wasn't driven by the sort of power and status or, or wealth for the sake of it. It was more, how could I build something that's more aligned with my beliefs and also the lifestyle that I wanted to, to live yeah yeah because that's that's an interesting link because does this mean that starting a business doesn't necessarily have to be building an app or is there is there some is there another way of looking at it (laughs) yeah it's a a great it's a great question one that i laugh because it's one that comes up a lot in prod mba where Mm. we have a a misconception that a product is equals a solution, right? So that, 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 you know, there is an app so that you can do X or Y. And really what we need to do um, to be successful in business or again in product, which the two things are very linked, obviously, is to understand that really what we'd, we'd, we need to, the, the key thing is we need to understand where value lies in a market and then how we might best deliver that value. In many cases, you might be able to raise investment or it might be more exciting to say, let's take the topic of leadership coaching. We could go, well, you know, we could build this really cool AI driven like app where people become awesome leaders because it's this app's just going to like, 
make them awesome and give them awesome suggestions. And actually, in most cases, you're going to deliver more value charging, in that example, a really high value, uh, even a high ticket, like uh, limited coaching program, for example, for those people. Now, it's not as glamorous as building the next Google or, you know, fill in the blank successful app. But ultimately, you are delivering more value. Right? And that's that's really what we want to do. If we can deliver value to customers, then we can generally charge for that product as well, because it's it's delivering um, a desired outcome that they're looking for. And it's a big mindset shift that I teach or we teach at ProdMBA because because again, it's our role is really to mitigate risk when we're building things because there's so many things that can go wrong, whatever kind of business. Big part of that is avoiding coding. And an even bigger part of that is understanding what does the person want and how can we deliver that as quickly and easily as possible. Hmm. Yeah, and that's that's quite hard to, to hear for people like me that have come through um, app land and everything has yeah, an app, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> well, and I mean, we, and we, just, that... we just kind of look at the world in a way of, well, of course, I joined a business that builds a, an app and the app does the thing and off you go. But exactly. you're right. All around that business will be a whole lot of other businesses where people are contributing to that exact same um, user base, but not necessarily by building an app. Um, yeah. So. I mean, and, and, and I think there's an important point. Obviously, obviously, technology enables the delivery of value, right? We, we you know, we use technology to facilitate what we do or to facilitate that delivering of value. But I always think of a really, a really easy example to illustrate this is take the topic of weight loss. There's some really good apps out there. Well, let's take mindfulness, right? Um, yes, you can download Headspace and that's going to help you manage your yourself better, right? Uh, to be more mindful. But Voiced in an by ideal a Kiwi, world, just saying. <laughs> oh, was it? <laughs> yep, yep. What a legend. But please continue. <laughs> um, you know, in an ideal world, though, really what somebody would want is a magic wand, which just sort of makes you sort of at peace with yourself 24-7. Yeah. And you don't have to sit and meditate for 10 or 15 minutes per day. Um, so, you know, just always remember that it's how do we get them to their desired outcome as quickly and easily as possible? That's that's our role as founders, as product people and as problem solvers as well. Problem busters, to use the, the right word. That's a, <laughs> that's a wonderful quote, actually. Um, <laughs> um, so... In terms of the prod MBA, um, I just picked up a few <clears throat> hints on there as, as uh, um, about it. Would you mind just giving a, a, a kind of a deeper, a deeper run through of, of the prod MBA and and sort of aspects of it that um, that our listeners could would would find quite interesting? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think the the uh, I suppose you have to start with like why does it exist? And, and I found um, I'll go into the sort of founding story after if you like. Cause it's, it's uh, at least I find. Oh it yes, please. <laughs> but um, it, it's really that the market opportunity or the market need that ProMBA is filling is that there are. So we specifically help product managers or even aspiring product managers in some cases to to really master the, these sort of core competencies of product management. Right? So execution, product strategy, customer insight, and and leadership and influence. And I just saw there were so many. You know, my background as an entrepreneur plus a product person, I was seeing that there were so many courses out there and training programs and books and agile coaches 
that just just what they were teaching was so far removed from the reality of how most of us operate in product that it just um it wasn't helpful these are the conversations that i was having where you know somebody goes to product school and spends six thousand dollars and they get that some good theory and they get a nice certificate on their cv but they don't actually know how to navigate the real world of product which is messy which is uncertain where you come up against all these challenges that you know i did as a first-time entrepreneur of coming up against your own ego, um, learning how to zoom out and look at things objectively, learning how to operate strategically when you've got all this pressure on you and you know people pulling you in different directions. And that um, psychological aspect, uh, really, that's, the, that's what we talk about when we talk about experience, right, is building uh, repetitions and, and nuance when it comes to a subject such as uh, building product. Um, so what we do is, is teach these competencies, not in sort of neat modules by getting you to, but instead by getting you to actually build a real product from scratch, sometimes to the point of generating real revenue with that product, because that's the best way you're going to learn. And it's the way that you're going to be, be as confident and effective operating as a product leader as possible. So that's, so that's really the sort of theory behind it. Awesome. That's quite different, right? Which really turns the learning yes. process on its head yeah. and, and makes it a lot more hands-on. Um, what are some examples of the kinds of things that you've you've seen people work on? Yeah, g- g- good. Um, so a couple of ones recently, we had uh, Akash, who's based in London. He looked at the problem of, he, he was, you know, looking at, so they come in, they have to come up with 20 ideas, uh, 20 problems, acute problems. We teach them how you sort of evaluate ideas effectively with a few different frameworks and tools. But one of the things he did, he was in the gym chatting to some ladies at the gym who were talking about like, oh, the fact that they get sensitive skin because gym towels are, these, uh, they are quite like abrasive, right? So they keep, they leave the gym, they have a rash. If they're going to like a drinks thing after work, they don't want to look, they've got a sort of red rash on the side of their face. So he did all this discovery work and eventually came up with an idea for bamboo towels, which sounds very unsoft and sort of skin friendly, but uh, apparently they are. So he's actually prototyped a real bamboo towel, sold it before building it, and is now actually sort of building that out and made five or six sales on, on the program itself. Um, other examples uh, would be, let's say like a, a, another great example is Nitin, who's based in the US. He looked at the problem of healthcare and how do you choose healthcare options in the US? He had people visibly upset, or not with him, visibly upset with this problem on the calls, right? Because it's such a big headache for them. How do you choose a good healthcare option in the US? So he ended up then prototyping that, doing a no-code prototype, and he's now launching actually as a full-time business. Uh, so not to say that everybody sort of launches a business with us, but they're two really nice examples, I think, of, of again, the kind of very different solutions that you come up with. And it's what we teach is it's all about understanding what where the biggest opportunity is in the market right so is it an acute problem you're looking at is it an addressable market that you can track down do they have purchasing power these kind of questions uh, because if you start with a really acute problem at one where you can find the audience where they have money to spend then you're gonna at some point if you follow the right process <laughs> the product MBA process um then you, you're, you're going to work out what kind of solution to build. And we don't even talk about solutions until week four of an eight-week program because we want you to look at things objectively, 
to not anchor around, hey, I want to build this app, but to actually look at the problem, to look at the opportunity really objectively before you you then start thinking about how you might solve that problem. So it's a massive mindset shift for even very experienced product uh, managers, even product directors we've had coming through the program. That's quite amazing because my brain says eight weeks is a long time. What are we doing for eight weeks? <laughs> right. And that's, that's just because mm -hmm. product management is action based, right? Very, very similar to ops in that sense, Jonathan. So, so mm -hmm. what, what, what do, how do you fill eight weeks? Because you've, you know, you've mentioned some things that, that people <laughs> might have days to, to focus on in the real world. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's about 10 hours per week sort of built around the work day. So it's not sort of eight weeks full time, but um, Fair play. I mean, broadly what we do is, is week one, we actually we break down a lot of the misconceptions around product. So, you know, what is a product in simple terms? Most people can't describe that. Uh, we break, you know, we talk then, okay, why do products fail? Why do they succeed? We're looking at factors there. And then it's really about how do we evaluate good ideas? And then the process of going to speak to the to your target audience, how we then filter in week two the feedback we're getting and aggregate that, flip some of those frustrations into a product vision. Week three, we then look at product strategy and how we can actually validate something called the MVO, the minimal viable offer, which essentially represents our, our strategy. Right. So if you can look at my one as an example, where if you go on my LinkedIn, it's going to say we fast track. Uh, product managers to head of product with an eight-week program. So what are we doing there? We're showing, hey, this is the value we promise our audience. Is that something that interests them? And does the vehicle for delivering that, right, an eight-week program, is that something that interests them? But rather than committing to building out a solution really early, what we then do in week four is then build out, okay, what are the, some of the fundamentals of what this might be like as a business? Because we found an opportunity and that's the hardest part actually and the thing that most people skip over. We found, okay, this is where value is in the market, right? Uh, fast tracking somebody's product career. Now, okay, well, what, what, what might we do to solve that? How might that look as a business? And then week five onwards, it's really about how do we sort of iterate that with uh, uh, from validating the strategy through to the, the various iterations of the solution from a landing page to a design prototype to a no-code prototype and beyond. That's super interesting. Thank you. So when you say no-code prototype, what do you actually mean? Yeah, good question. Um, and th this, this is a great example, actually, of why we, why we teach things in this way. So take the, take the concept of an MVP. So the MVP is minimal viable product for anyone that's that, that's new to. So the whole concept of that is the MVP was in theory is meant to be really what's the quickest experiment we could do to validate that somebody's interested in what we're offering. So in our case, uh, the MVO is an MVP, right? We're, we're validating just on a quick landing page or even our LinkedIn headline. Is somebody interested in this thing we have to offer? For example, you will lose 10 kilos in two weeks. Does somebody believe it? Are they interested? Are they engaged by that? So that's that's really what the MVP is there to, there to, to, to do is, is how do we, in a, in a minimal, way, in minimal way that's also viable in terms of delivering a good, uh, a clear outcome for us, how do we get a good learning there? Now, the problem in most cases, and I would say the majority of cases that I see, is that companies take a concept like the MVP and they go, well, we're, that's just going to be the first version of whatever we're going to build. So it's 
ends up not being minimal because they're committing usually to a coded solution, which can take weeks. Usually it's going to take double the time that we estimate, say months for getting a, uh, even just a tiny learning. It's really viable because usually it's actually an excuse for just a shoddy piece of work. Right? It's just a bad first version that isn't like fully usable. It's not that clear what's going on with it. So there's confusion uh, um, of what, what actually happened. Like, did the user like it because the UX was terrible or they just didn't care about the concept? So we so so coming back to that, um, that's a, the kind of framework that's very, everyone talks about an MVP, but you have to actually go through the process to understand like, oh, I get now what Eric Brees is talking about when he's talking about sort of experimentation and not let's build an app, right? Let's not build, a, let's build a solution. So when we talk about no code, really that's the extension of all of these iterations we're doing from understanding the problem, mapping out opportunities, selecting an opportunity, validating that with a vision and strategy. And then we might validate on a landing page, like, hey, a, a screenshot of what the solution might look like, description of how it might work, as well as the, the big offer statement as well. And then at some point, if we get some indication with, with in our case, we get email signups as our the key result we're looking for, then we will actually build out firstly just a design prototype with something like Figma using existing design system so we don't waste time making things look nice. And then second iteration, we're actually going to build a no-code prototype. And what I mean by that is there is a database, there is a user interface, and that user interface works like a real app. So in terms of what the user sees, it is a real application that has, you know, user, it has an account, a user account. You can create data, you can store data, you can view other people's data on that in various ways. So it's essentially a real app. Okay, thank you. And and what's really interesting here when you talk about that is that that the the idea of test it, test it, test it is um, it's very commonly um, taught, but very exactly. uncommonly practiced, right? Um, but I think what's interesting is that that's probably the way that somebody who has no idea about product or tech would start trying to work out if anybody wants to buy their gym towel, right? Um, because they wouldn't know any better. They would just talk to their family and say, how's your gym towel? And then <laughs> maybe talk to some people they don't know and say, how's your gym towel? And kind of make up their own mind, right? Um, I find it fascinating that that organizations and groups of people can um, kind of through groupthink just end up taking a long time to test an idea. And I'm yeah, sure yeah. Jonathan's never seen that from a product team. <laughs> oh, you know, I've seen, a, <laughs> I've seen many a thing when it, when it comes to product. Um, but it's really interesting, though, because I'm, I'm learning quite a bit as well, because I don't necessarily have a product background. So I'm kind of the fly on the wall here whilst uh, Oli, Oli gets all, all producty and involved. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, uh, no, it's really interesting that um, throughout the, the, um, the Prod MBA, you, you've actually broken it down into these really digestible chunks for mm -hmm. people that aren't really experienced in, um, in product, uh, in product management or product design. Um, because mm -hmm. that initial thing of, you know, what is a product? I mean, <laughs> that, that for, for me as well as many people is, uh, is, is probably a good thing to, to cover first off. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it comes back to, um, you know, Ollie, on, on that point about sort of uh, 
what do we call it? Uh, following convention, right? So again, you know, we 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 just break that all down in week one. But I think that's it for me. It comes from we talk about this as well. It stems from a culture of of, of a narrowly defined version of success, right? So you know, if I look back again and myself ten years ago, um, you enter this sort of startup world and and you're told that the only way to build something is you go for like this massively scalable digital solution and you're going to raise investment because it's something that can scale and can become like a billion dollar business. And therefore you, 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 you shoot yourself in the foot because yeah. <laughs> you know, you, 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 you're, you're trying to go from zero to a hundred, right? You're trying to run before yeah. you can walk. And actually, again, a big part of what we teach is this sort of strategic steps that need to be taken in many cases. And um, this is so applicable for, you know, if you are, wanting to start a business tomorrow or you are head of products at a 500 person organization, you have limitation on resources. You can't just magic wand and, and build this amazing app application. There's learning there, there's, re there's resource allocation. So you need to be very disciplined about saying, okay, well, we can't shoot for the moon immediately. So what is step one? It might be launching a free community so that we can learn more about customer need. It might be uh, doing some consultancy, right? It might be uh, selling a towel prototype before you even go and go and get it made, for example. So we need to be super disciplined about what these steps are because, you know, they're stepping stones, right? They're exactly what they say they are. If we don't take these sequ sequential steps and we don't understand that we need to do that, we're always going to fail because we're going to go go and shoot too hard. You know, again, take me 10 years ago absolutely no idea how apps or technology or business works <laughs> how the hell would i ever have led a um you know a, a successful uh company with one year runway could have happened if i was smarter but um you know it didn't it didn't really make sense actually what i could have done is get you build a community and then you sort of build up some experience to then use that as a springboard uh, um use it as a base camp right to then sort of scale the mountain yeah. And what's, what's interesting to me is that language is really important because if you said to your family and to yourself, I've, I've got an idea and I'm going to test it and see if it has legs and then I might decide to put more effort into it, then I think most people could probably understand what those steps might be and kind of buy into it um, and support it. But if you were to say, I've got a product idea and I'm going to go and market test it, then people wouldn't potentially understand because it's already got layers of jargon on top of it. Mm -hmm. And and what what mm -hmm. fascinates me on top of that is is how product has kind of grown in its um in its coverage. So that to me almost now product in a sentence in a business is almost synonymous with strategy. And mm -hmm. I don't think that it's the entire strategy of the business. I think that it's it's not um, broad enough. Perhaps it's not market facing is enough but to say that's a product problem kind of precludes that it's not any of the other areas of the business's problem do you understand what i mean yeah it's I, i've it, it's a tough one because i think you know a big part of what we teach and i, I strongly believe this myself is I mean, product is is that the 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 whole experience of a customer everything that the customer is ever going to touch upon is part of the product experience, right? The way that they're engaging with you first time, the way they're going through your sales funnel, 
the way they might use the core product in inverted commas. Um, and I think you get a lot of issues when you do not share that fact with the team, right? So we separate and silo sales over here and marketing over there. And, you know, what we call product usually is tech somewhere off in the distance, put them in a sort of corner, corner office somewhere. Um, and that causes problems because then we, 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 we lose sight of really why a product exists. Why does a product exist? It is to fulfill a specific promise that we have made to a specific audience. If it's not clear to take it, you know, product case of product, to sales, to marketing, to content writers, to our product, what we might call our core product team, that everything we do should be geared towards helping well, fast tracking the career of product managers. And everything we do is in a, a way that means that our learning is hands-on. So our, our strategy is specifically delivering hands-on learning and actionable learning. Um, that needs to be crystal clear to every single person across the organization. Now, we don't need to necessarily have everybody under the umbrella of product. And arguably, this is a, a function of, you know, the CEO or whoever's handling vision and strategy communication. But it tends to come from product people because they're the ones that are most trained um, in understanding customer needs, right? And then communicating those and converting those opportunities we see into product opportunities if that makes sense it does it does and and we've we've had previous episodes where we've um spoken to people like jason knight haven't we um jonathan where his mm. biggest his biggest issue was that he sees too much barrier between teams and mm -hmm. and i guess that's why f startups can move so fast right because if it's just you thinking about your gym towels um, have the different uh, the different thought processes work together. If it's just you and your yeah. um, colleague, then you're in the same room. You can talk about everything together. And and scaling businesses have quite a challenge with that, don't they? Because suddenly there are ten times more people in the room, or in this mm -hmm. day and age, not in the room. <laughs> but you see, I mean, so there are some great examples of companies that scale really well, and it's it's usually because they're single product companies. So it's very clear. Yeah, we could use Loom actually as a really good example. So if anybody's on the laptop, just go to Loom, L-O-O-M.com. And they're a great example of a single product company and they're scaling super well. Um, and they've raised a massive round of investment this year. I think they're in their profit margin, something like 600 million. Don't quote me on that. Um, and why have they scaled really effectively? Because they've got a very simple promise and the strategy for delivering that is very clear. Essentially, what is the promise? Well, communication through email and Slack is just pretty inefficient in a remote world. Video communication is much better. Everything they do is targeted towards that message of, you know, video, video communication is better. For a product team, that's really clear. It's very clear what they should be doing, right? Is getting more people to use video communication and sort of facilitating, removing friction from that process to improve communication within a company. If you then take the B2B sales team, again, it's very, very clear that, okay, all you need to do, this is the thing that people care about, saving time and communication or doing better communication. And they can work out then autonomously how they might translate that into uh, their own strategy, right? For, for selling to businesses, convert it into, you know, time saved and money saved by using this tool as an example. Um, 
And because there's such a clear focus, again, it, it keeps the team's focus, regardless of what function you might be in. Even if you're in customer support, it's clear what's really important to the customers. So it makes it much, much easier. Whereas if you're looking at multiple products or multiple opportunities, or there's just simply not that much clarity over who specifically the target audience is, then you're going to end up with this sort of flabby, slightly misguided organization, right? Where it's not that clear for everybody what they should be doing. So they're going to stop taking the initiative, right? They're going to stop taking risks because they don't really know what the tram lines they should be operating in, right? What the sort of strategy is. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And and in any line of business, there's plenty of examples of, of companies that have tried to do more than one thing and have kind of faulted, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. And it, it's fine too. I mean, it's fine. Again, it's it's all about the strategic step. So it's what makes sense to start with. You know, so pretty me, we're, we're now branching out where the initial product I've been zero focused on, um, you know, for example, acquisition, LinkedIn works, right? I publish loads of content on LinkedIn that brings in leads. Now we're starting to get lots of referrals as well because we've been doing a good job with the core product. But we've been zero, uh, sorry, laser focused on making that core program as hands-on and as actionable as possible because we know that's what's going to bring success to students. But it's now we're getting to the point where actually we're looking at launching another course because we've seen another opportunity in the market, which is the helping product people prepare for the interview process because they are terrible at doing it. So we launch another product there, but it's been a very patient journey. And it's really only because, you know, we believe as a team that we have the capacity to look at these two, uh, well, provide these two products, essentially. But again, it's very clear what this is ultimately contributing towards. It's fast tracking the career of a product manager. And that's the overarching vision. How do we do that still with hands-on actionable learning, whatever the product you're going to be using? So that if, for example, in future, we won't take this route because it's not the kind of business I want to create. But if we were to scale, you could bring in, um, you know, product directors for, for launching new products and they could autonomously find opportunities and build something that's still aligned with what we do as an organization. Because again, <laughs> make it really, really clear. It's about fast tracking product managers career. And how do we do that with hands on actionable learning? If you can operate within those parameters, great, build whatever you want. So on that note, um, in terms of the pandemic, was there any sort of trends that you saw uh, in terms of um, business and lifestyle um, in the product mm. space that, that sort of uh, piqued your interest or, or you just noted like, oh, this is, this is, a, this is a bit of a shift? It's, yeah, it was interesting because we, I mean, I, so I'm a solo founder, but now working with the team, but I started the business actually before the pandemic. So that was January, 2020. Um, but specifically during the pandemic, it was very interesting. I mean, first it was great for our business, which um, I probably shouldn't say, but but it was because, and I think the reason for that was, yeah, you know, on the one side you have people with this sort of like, you know, overflowing energy because they're stuck at mm. home and they felt they wanted to do something Doing something gave them a sense of control and certainty. But on the other hand, I was having a lot of conversations with people who for the first time in years had paused to reflect on what they really wanted out of their life and specifically what they wanted out of their career, which obviously informs how, how you live your life. 
Um, so there were a lot of conversations about people saying, you know, they maybe wanting to start their own business or simply just take control of their product career and say, you know, I'm unhappy in my current role. I want to do the product media to skill up and sort of build the experience to then relaunch my career somewhere else. So that was something that was actually really inspiring to see. And I, I, I suspect we're going to see a massive boom in, um, well, new businesses and, and, and new successful businesses, not just because of the change in the market, but simply there are more people that have, you know, said, right, I'm fed up. I want to actually do something about this. Yeah, I think that's that's echoed in 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 sort of the the our, our previous podcast as well with people that were focused on sort of healing and and sort of mental mental wellness. Um, I think Heather Heather Rook, um, we we had a good conversation about that, and and um, as well as Daryl Woodhouse as well, is that the pandemic, although you know as horrible as it as it was, uh, well as it was or, and currently is, um, it did give people a chance to reset. So um, in terms of of it sort of um, pushing people more towards your business and, and, and the, uh, prod MBA, I think, I think it does make sense, <laughs> um, that people want to really want to just take control now and, um, and mm-hmm. your, you know, and, and the prod MBA is, is a way of doing that. Um, yeah. And it's, um, you know, something that I, cause I, <laughs> I had like my moment of crystallization like three months before all of this kicked off, but, um, do you want to tell us about that? Hmm. I, I think it's yeah, time. Yeah, I will do, but yeah. And it, it, it's, uh, the reason I say it is it's, un- you know, unfortunately we don't as humans, like we don't just suddenly do stuff to change our lives. It takes a moment of yeah, usually a moment of crisis in many ways, but at least a moment of, of where something really crystallizes. And, and I, th- I think, you know, I had a similar one, as I said, of, I remember January the 1st, so t- yeah, 2020 or well, nearly two years ago, but so I'd been thinking of, so that was, six years after starting my first business and I've been sort of uh, set up another business made a little bit of money from it didn't didn't really grow had been freelancing consulting you know really just building up experience and then the last three years wanted to start another business and then it was only two years ago so it's January the 1st so I do a journal every morning and I remember sitting down I always do an annual review so sort of, you know, read, read everything from the year before and sort of just see like, okay, what are the themes and trends there? And it was very clear that there was this returning theme, like, oh, I could do this or this, 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 you know, the classic lack of focus. And I remember just writing down like one line on, on the page and just, you know, having this like, wow moment. And it was just, nobody is coming for you, right? Nobody is coming to start this business. And I, you know, I've been thinking about co-founders and, oh, if only I could get someone into sales and marketing and, you know, it'd be amazing. Um, and I, I'd realized that I'd created this sort of false um, false belief that I would need a co-founder in some way, right, to get started or I'd need some investment to get started. And actually, I remember writing that down and just saying, like, you know, if I actually want to go and take control of my life and sort of live the life exactly as I wanted to do, which is, you know, running the kind of business I'm running now, actually, um, then I would have to go and do that myself. And and that meant that simple mental shift, that that one line, which is obviously, you know, had been building up and, and was just, it had really come from, I think, a lot of meditation and, and, and journaling. 
but that massive shift um got me to then go down the path of starting another business in a really concrete way and then really using the process that we teach now uh, identified this opportunity around sort of product management and and saw that the market wasn't really serving that and um fortunately for us that just we were there just before that curve and i think the timing um yeah the timing was was luckily good for us in that case um but yeah, I just think, I think many people had that kind of thing, right? Where it's like, oh, actually life isn't as certain as I might have thought. Or, okay, now I'm not, you know, let's say classic example, London. It's like, now I'm not commuting three hours a day and, you know, going out for drinks Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm actually stopping to think, like, am I happy with this life that I'm living? And um, I think it's great to see people confront those, whether they wanted to or not, confront those difficult questions. Because ultimately that's where you thrive, right? It's when you go through these difficulties. And again, that's why we teach Prodomy in this way. It's like you need to go through these psychological difficulties of seeing an idea maybe fail first time or reach out to people you've never spoken to to do your validation because that's where you're going to grow. Right? If you build that habit of resilience and, and, and sort of just keep pushing through. Yes, that's a great story. Um, thank you for sharing it. Um, one one question that I think a lot of people have when somebody nearby says, I'm thinking about starting this thing or I'm exploring an idea or I'm doing something. I feel like a lot of people say, yeah, but you'll be working at it day and night. You won't have a life. The founder's life is, is no life for five mm -hmm. years. Hopefully it pays off and then you retire. What would you say to that from experience? I would say that it is half true and half um, BS. I think that it, we have to be intentional with everything we do in life. And I think that's particularly true with starting a business. There is a path, which is the one you will see all over TechCrunch and all over the news of, you know, go raise a load of money. Yeah, you know, 21 year old built a billion dollar business. Um, if you take the route of investment, particularly venture capital, you have specific targets you need to hit. And that's usually about two, two times growth every month. You need to at least 10X yourself every year. And if you do that, you're going to hire hundreds of employees. You're going to be running around, raising investment, building a great product, right? handling the, the myriad risks of a large product business. And yeah, you are not going to be able to uh, have a very good work-life balance. Now, if you're intentional about, and it, it, that's fine, like that's a route that people people like the 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 you know the rat race that's there, and it's or the purpose as well, right? You're delivering more impact if you're able to deliver it to more people. Personally, I made a conscious decision to not do that kind of business, and yes, it's hard work at the beginning. You know, whatever you're going to be doing, particularly as a solo founder, like you're working, you know, ten plus twelve hour days, but. Um, uh, if you are conscious about how you shape that business, then you don't need to be doing that. Um, you know, for example, it's always been important for me to be able to travel, to be able to go for a walk, like to go do sport during the day. So these are things that I do now. And actually, I probably only work five or six hours a day. But when I am working, it's very conscious and deliberate and focused. Also, I'd say that 10 to 12 hours a day doesn't sound like much to me. Don't know about you, Jonathan. It's not crazy. No, no. I learned my lesson with my first. I learned my lesson with Backtracker that that very long days uh, do not work. Mm. So that's sort of sixteen, seventeen hours. Um, 
So I, yeah, I learned that a while back. But you know, I think again, it's I think particularly at the beginning, hard work is not. No, let me rephrase that. More work is not the answer. Uh, it is going to come down to a few big strategic things, making the right, placing the right bets on the market, on the opportunity, on the specific offer you might make to your target customers. That's the thing you need to be thinking about and iterating on. It's not going to be uh, furiously building out some solution. The, the, the big strategic stuff is where you need that headspace. You need to be revisiting it. You can't just be tempted. And most of us are particularly builders, you know, product people are builders. We like jumping in a building stuff. Super fun. I, I've made that mistake loads of time. Um, but it, it's, so I think firstly, it's about, you know, actually holding yourself back deliberately so that you can be thinking through these high level things. And then, and the secondly, again, it's about intentionality and what kind of business you ultimately want to run. And, and there's no right or wrong answer. It's just what suits you and, and, and what you, you know, what do you really want rather than what society might tell you you want, which is usually build the next uh, Facebook or Google. Well said, Jonathan. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I was there. I was taking that in. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm practicing making space on the mic, Henry. <laughs> yes, yes. No, I was, I was, uh, yeah, and I was just digesting, digesting all that. Um, but funny enough, I think this leads us onto our sharing section. Yes, 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 yes. So um, this is the the section that we uh, we usually take to to under, to um, get to know our guests a bit more. Or be, get everybody to know you um, and what your likes are, uh, what movies you like, what books have you read, um, along those lines. So, first off, this is a this is a bit of a biggie to start with, but um, who do you most look up to in the world? That is a tough question. Mm. I was thinking, <laughs> oh my god, I've got no answer, and that actually immediately it struck me as an obvious one. Um, I think it's someone called Ryan Holiday. And the reason I say that is I think that yeah, Ryan, Tim Ferriss would be another one. I think it's, again, for me particularly, who do I look up to? I look up to people who are intentional entrepreneurs. I would say those are the people that I can, you know, the, the sort of mentors that I look up to uh, or I aspire to live like. And Ryan Holiday is a very interesting one. He was uh, head of marketing, like oh, I think he's age 25 or something at American Apparel, super smart guy. Uh, well, I mean, obviously far more successful than I will ever be, but but he um, he had again that kind of moment of like, well, do I really want to be working at a big company? Seeing that company implode. And then since then, he's, he's actually launched his career as a, an author. He writes a lot about stoicism and sort of how the ancient Greeks lived and really about how philosophy should be a practical guide to living well. And um, he's published a load of books, but does a lot of consulting as well. And, and again, just a very intentional life. Like he lives on a farm in Austin, Texas. He doesn't, uh, he works like four hours a day, spends a lot of time with his kids out running, turns down all of these sort of speaking gigs or money-making opportunities that he he could, you know, quite easily do. Um, and yeah, I just have a you know, massive amount of respect for the wisdom that he passes on in his writing and the way that he lives his life, and also that he's somebody that actually follows through with the philosophy he espouses. 
There's so many examples of entre- you know, Brewdog was one recently where the founders bang on about being carbon neutral and having a great impact, and then they're off flying around in private jets um, and and uh, shit talking their employees. Mm. So somebody for me that lives the morals they teach um, and is aligned with sort of where I want to be in the future. Ryan Holiday is a good, good, good person to start with. And if you want a specific thing to start with, uh, amongst many very good books, Ego is the Enemy, I think is a great book to start out with. Whether you're in product, whatever, whoever you are, whatever you do, great book to read. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I think I might pick up that book as well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds- it's an easy one as well. Yeah. It takes, you know, you get through it in about eight hours. Awesome. It sounds, it sounds, um, yeah, it sounds really good. Um, funny enough, you answered two questions in one. My next was what, you know, which book, um, you know, has inspired you recently? Um, unless it's a mm-hmm. different one. Um, I could sort of twist that question and ask which sort of movie oh, has inspired you recently? Oh, that's a good, that is a good question. <laughs> I'm not very good with, movies but i mean books i've got a lot up my sleeve um i'm just thinking in terms of today's conversation and i mean there's two areas right there is i suppose career development and then there is intentionality um i think essentialism something i've actually got a tattoo of part of the sort of the the message that he he has on the front cover actually but i think it's a great book for if anybody's listened this far, then it's obviously things that they, they're thinking about themselves. Essentialism by Greg McCowan uh, really teaches you how to operate in a way that focuses on things that are really important. So as an entrepreneur, again, it's it's not how many hours you're going to work. It's how good are you at zeroing in on the one thing that really matters and cutting out all the noise. If you're a product leader, how good are you at understanding what your strategy is, what your place in the market is, and then obsessing over delivering that and staying very focused on that, that's going to make you really effective. Mm-hmm. If you are somebody that goes, you know, I'm unhappy in my career, I'm not sure what to do next. It's going to help you cut through the noise and discover what that, you know, purpose or, or at least that next step might be. So I think Essentialism by Greg McCown would be a good, good place to start. And well done, Greg. You have made it into body art. <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> yeah that's true it's a sign of a good book sure is um you were you going to um bring some up around career development i think in ter- sorry in terms of specific books yeah hmm yeah i mean there's a lot of places to so i do a lot of reading so it's always have a look at my bookshelf <laughs> <laughs> Here's one I prepared earlier. I I think I'm going to stick with that because I don't want to go too Mm. product specific. Um, I think essentialism is just a great, you know, it's linked with, I could talk about my book, Product Leadership Starts With You. But um, I mean, a core message of of really my teaching, I think, or my my personal philosophy is that whatever you do, it's particularly true of product, you need to start with the foundations and that comes really down to your decision-making and how you manage yourself um, so I talk a lot about how, you know, if you are mindful, then you can detach yourself and zoom out effectively, make better decisions. If you are resilient, then you're going to be able to actually stick with difficulty and stick through failure with things. Uh, again, you're going to make therefore better decision. 
only if you can focus on the essential, you're going to be great and one of the rare people that can really zoom in on what matters and then compound the success of that one thing that really matters. So I, I like that. You know, I think we talk so much about frameworks and should we use, you know, a rice framework for prioritization or this other thing over here in product particularly. And actually a huge amount of success comes down to managing yourself effectively as a foundation, which upon which you build experience, upon which you use frameworks, right? And use the right theory of, uh, in this case, product leadership. Awesome. Awesome. So in terms of, uh, you know, managing, uh, managing yourself effectively, <laughs> um, what tech is improving your life at the moment? Oh, good question. I think that it's quite specific to me as an entrepreneur. I think this is really useful. There's so many automations you can use. Oh my God. <laughs> I think if we run ProMBA three years ago, we would have to have at least two employees managing sales and marketing. So Active Campaign is a great tool. Probably not, you know, if you're starting out, I'm just going to give some actionable advice. Um, if you're starting out, you probably wanted to stick with something like MailChimp. You do sort of free email series, right? It's got some basic customer management. As you start scaling up, you want different automations. And Active Campaign is great because it's things like, uh, we can automate a sales funnel. So if, okay, somebody comes to the website, they join our emails, they click through to something, they might book a call or an application for ProMBA. All of that is just tracked and, and automated on one platform. Um, and you can auto invoice if a new cohort starts for me. Then again, rather than hiring like a, a, a virtual assistant or somebody, um, all I need to do is add a tag to you know let's say ollie's doing the course add a tag to ollie and, and 20 other people that are going to be doing it and it's just going to automatically send out this email series based on certain dates um to onboard them for example which is literally a so, department of people 10 20 years it's, ago exactly it's an army of people so you've solved sales marketing and uh I suppose community management um for about 50 pounds a month so I think if you're somebody that's just getting getting your first sales, I would even say once you've made your first one or two sales, it's a very good investment to make. Because also you, there was a quote by um, uh, Tim Berners-Lee about the fact that products come and go, but data will be there forever, right? You, you want to start with a really strong foundation of data. It's really hard to, to, to sort of go back, it's almost impossible to go back and sort of drag the data out of all these different tools. So you want to start from not quite day one, but maybe month three with with some, um, yeah, really strong sort of customer management tools because products, you know, most products rely on sales. Right? You have to sell, you have to market things and, and that uh, can be productized and automated uh, really effectively. Makes me think we should probably be doing that for the podcast, Jonathan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, try, try do the free trial. I've got a referral bonus I can send you away. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um oh, here's another biggie. Um what is the one thing you'd like to change in the world? Oh god, that's a tough question. That is a tough mm. question. I think it would be have I got a magic wonder? Is this just uh 
You've um, got a magic wand yeah, for you've sure. You've got a magic wand, yeah, you, definitely. <laughs> I think it would be, um, <laughs> I'm not going to be boring and say world hunger, and, <laughs> although that's obviously a very noble cause, yes. but um, I think it would be for people to qualify the fears more effectively. So what do I mean by that? For example, thinking that if they want to start a business, they don't need to jump ship and resign and go all in. They can take these really small steps to start that business over a couple of months, over a couple of years um, with zero risk. And if anything, it's going to just energize them if they're spending 30 minutes a day on something purposeful like that because they're building good skills and you know it's exciting um so i think just realizing that generally the idea of things is more scary than the reality and that any fears we might have or any risks can be mitigated pretty easily with a little bit of planning Mm. nicely put nicely put so if there was one thing that people would take away from this episode what would you like it to be I would like it to be um, for that on that previous note. And I think really you see a theme right with our philosophy is if you want to do something, just write down what could the smallest, firstly, write down what it is you want to do because having something on paper can be quite powerful. Secondly, just say, what is the smallest first step I could take to move towards that goal? And then integrate that into your calendar for the next seven days, right? So, you know, if it's, hey, I want to start a business, why don't you do 20 minutes a day reading this book on, um, you know, whatever it is, a good business book, for example. Simple as that, because that's going to just create a little, little habit that's going to start building up, that's going to become a bigger habit, that's going to stack with other habits that eventually becomes running your own business, or whatever your goal might be. I'm feeling quite motivated, I have to admit. Yes. yes. <laughs> what's your what's your thing this week then, both of you? Shall we just share it while we're nice and private before somebody else goes and does it, Jonathan? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. No, no, I am inspired. And I think it's um yeah. I I mean for somebody that's not really product focused, um, in my day to day, I mean uh, to a degree obviously i am there is some overlap <laughs> um but yeah it's really inspiring to know um that there are these options out there and um in and it's not as daunting because the barrier to entry is not as high as as you know people perceive um especially myself 100%. so wonderful wonderful yeah, i mean get, if you want to get started as well for anybody listening um just go to prod.mba and if you sign up we've got a seven-day email free email series which actually outlines quite a few of the points i've covered in more detail um so you can get started then and i think if anybody wants any uh specific steps always message me on linkedin always happy to to help out perfect i think that was going to be my next uh, question i was about to ask how can people... i realized i should probably shot the gun <laughs> no was, no it's perfect it's perfect i was just about to say if, if there are any other methods that people can contact you or find out a bit more about the prod mba mm-hmm. yeah so uh, well, specifically, you can add me and chat to me on LinkedIn. So linkedin.com slash Henry Latham. Uh, I post every day as well about product and entrepreneurship and general sort of life topics I'm thinking about. And uh, yeah, prod.mba, you can have a look at the course if you want or just sign up for that free email series and, and get started. 
Perfect. Awesome. Perfect. Um, and uh, and you mentioned a book earlier. Is there anything else you you'd want to sort of? Um, yeah, if you wanted to onto? dive into the topic of managing yourself effectively as a product leader or aspiring product leader, um, you can go to Amazon.co.uk. Well, Amazon, wherever you are in the world, just search product leadership and you should see number one or two product leadership starts with you by Henry Latham. So uh, that's the cost price. So it's 99 cents on Kindle. It's about four pounds on uh, getting a physical copy. So we'll just do that really for free. Um, and that should be a good good way to open you up to, to uh, maybe a different approach to product and product leadership as well. I really like that, that you're offering a cost to, to just get the good word out. Good for you. Yeah, I mean, there's not much money in books as well, but but I thought that's it, you know it's it's more of a personal thing for me, I think, rather than yeah. uh, treating it as part of the business. So um, yeah, exactly. The more people that read it, I think the more impact I can have, and the better the world will be in one small way. Well, I think that's the perfect way to end. What about you, Jonathan? I think so too. Uh, thank you very much to our listeners, and thank you um, to Henry. Uh, would love to have you back on at some point. Um, and thank you for sharing uh, a lot of your your tales <laughs> um, <laughs> today. Um, and again, listeners, you can follow us at Problem Busters Podcast. Uh, you can Google us now. I think our SEO is in a in a in a lovely place. Um, but we're also on all the major podcast platforms. You can find us on LinkedIn, um, Facebook, um, and YouTube, and Instagram well. if you're younger than forty. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the Instagram crew. Thank you very much, um, Henry, again. And I think that's it for now. Ciao. Ciao. Cheers, fellas. Thanks for having me.